It just hit me yeah. so hard that oh, this hopeless energy that the universe, that Mumbai, that India, that life is just pushing its foot on the neck of these kids. And yet they keep dreaming. And that, and that actually gave me hope. I was like, oh, OK, if these kids with all this shit around them can try, even though they're trying and failing, but have hopes and dreams like my life is way better than these guys. So I have <laughs> nothing to complain about. <laughs> See, for me, I got the opposite definitely highlighting the part of not being as Indian as I'm proud of. I feel a little weird yeah. in that there's so much of it identifying as outsiders to a point where I feel like I'm just feeling shitty about myself. No, no, <laughs> no. not at all. all. All those other too cool for school Indians don't yeah. have a comic book podcast. Oh, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're not sitting in their basement drinking by themselves tonight. I, they're, they're, one of us is sitting in our parents' basement. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, no one calls it that anymore. And second of all, we're now actually closer to Thanksgiving. This year, Diwali was actually at the beginning of November. That stupid lunar calendar gets me every time. Also, Ryan, why does your voice sound so off? I don't know what you're talking about, Roman. This is how I normally talk. No, 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 no. Something's definitely not right. You don't have that quasi-intelligent nasal indignation that we've all come to know and love on this podcast. How dare you, Roman? I've studied this podcast day in and day out to perfect my Ryan Joe impression. <laughs> There's no way I would ever suggest a random comic book about your culture and then ditch out on the joy that is our amazing podcast at the 11th hour to entertain a state visitor from my foreign Korean captors, I mean in-laws, leaving you alone with an unsuspecting guest who dropped everything at the last minute to join this amazing podcast. By the way, what's your bank account number? We have a great sponsor from Squarespace. Did you know that with Squarespace, you can build your own website with just the click of a button? Anyway, we uh, they want to make some deposits, so uh, give me them digits. <laughs> I'm Roman Suckle. And I am and have never been Ryan Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and we are two dudes who might be Indian, but we're definitely not raised on the mean streets of Mumbai. More like the mean streets of Montgomery, Alabama. <laughs> Damn straight. Yeah. This week, we are reading Graffiti's Walls, the 2018 graphic novel written by acclaimed creator Ram B, illustrated by Anand Radhakrishnan, and colored by Aditya Bidikar. The book follows the follies of aspiring street artist Suresh, aka Graffiti, as he watches the transformation of his Mumbai tenements alongside his hustle and flowing pal Jay, or Jayesh, his portly writer, waiter, pal, Chazma, and aspiring actress, Sarah. Sarah, the city of Mumbai is actually just as much a character as anyone else, which is something I find in a lot of comics I like. And it's illustrated in a frenzied, chaotic, fluid, and hyper-detailed style that could 
honestly be any inner city, but it is uniquely Indian alongside the sights, sounds and smells that any traveler who goes beyond the sacred sites of Southeast Asia will certainly recognize and find familiar. This is anything but a Bollywood number. So across four individual stories, we get a glimpse into the hopes and dreams on the cusp of adulthood in an impossible city while exploring the daily trials and tribulations of Indian youth. I'll tell you what, Raman, this is not the Indian youth I remembered. Ryan, if I can call you Ryan, how would you know anything about the misspent Indian childhood? <laughs> Dude, it's because my Ryan Joe impression is shit, and it's me, your childhood Indian friend, Amitosh. <laughs> <laughs> no shit, Sherlock. So I- I'll ask again, how would you, Amitosh, know anything about misspent Indian childhood? Because I <laughs> was many a time threatened to be disowned and sent back <laughs> for getting a B in school. <laughs> Sent back to India? Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, Amitosh, do your parents know that you're on a grown-up podcast with the alcohol? <laughs> hey, you don't need to bring them into this. Do you want my parents to know that you're talking to me and not calling them to say hi? <laughs> Where else are you going to find a token Baron pal to read a book about Indian youth with? I, I could call Paresh. I could call Baroon. <laughs> okay, let me rephrase that. Where else are you going to get a token brown pal that doesn't claim to know everything about Indian culture because they've lived there and experienced way more of India than you have? Wouldn't you rather have someone that was a fellow outsider that grew up in primetime Indian suburb uh, Montgomery, Alabama, and have a perspective on something that is clearly a commentary on gentrification and rapid change of the culture in modern day subcontinent faces far and away from the India that our parents always told you about? First of all, Amitosh, I never knew you could write such an amazing intro podcast script, but you really had me. (laughs) Okay. Well, your sister called and she told me to stop letting you out of the house and also take your multivitamin. (laughs) I hate all of you goddamn kids. (laughs) All right. All right. So uh, shitty script aside, before we get started, it's worth mentioning that Ryan is a complete punk, but also that Amitosh Singh is a fellow nerd that I have known since our much, much younger and more innocent years growing up. He is practically family. And before we dive into this book, Amitosh, I I want you to fill us in on the favorite comics and pop culture that you've been consuming all these years that you've been becoming a grown-up before my very eyes. (laughs) Yeah, it's terrifying. I'm trying to think. Most of the pop culture that I consumed when I was a kid, like real young, was actually from you and Varun and Raj. Whatever trades you had lying around, like that's I remember some of my earliest memories of like learning how to read were from those. I am so sorry. Yeah, so no, the the great part of that is that I remember there was the Impulse comic, and I still feel bad about this to this day, but I remember laying down on the floor reading it, and for some reason my sister had like run into the room and jumped, and somehow she jumped right onto the comic and ended up ripping out one of the pages. <laughs> and then I remember for the next few hours the shame of like riding around the car with Raj to try and find a replacement and then explain to you that we tore up one of the comics. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Impulse, because it's by Mark Wade, Humberto Ramos. That's yeah. something both Ryan and I have talked about coming back and rereading some of those 90s comics that it's, it's interesting. That's what you were picking up, because the comics your brother and I read, probably when we were the age that you were, when you came into our lives, were x-men and spider-man and stuff and it was all about like the art and the crazy powers and then it eventually when we started getting into dc stuff it was all about story more than anything else and impulse is you know i have a a five going on 15 year old daughter and impulse is actually a book that i want her to read in a few years yeah 
No, it's great. I mean, I definitely took a little break from comics in between, and I think I got back more into it around college time. I don't, I remember what it was. Um, it was right around when like Blackest Night, the Green Lantern book came out. I had a friend in my freshman year floor and he ended up going out and buying this book and just slapping it down on my desk. And I sat with it for like a year and I was like, I'm never going to read this. And then mm. summer later, I picked it up and I was like, oh, shit, this is really good. And I went into this big DC spiral and then it was great. And so I think the nice thing about comics and pop culture is that it's always been there in different parts of my life, but I can tie it to big moments. Like I remember the Impulse comics. I remember like getting back into it in college. I remember when I was at this job, I hated sitting in my cubicle. I would slap on my headphones and listen to Comic Story and just give listen to his like shitty recaps of major story arcs. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stuff that always got me through the day or helped me blow off some steam. And so I've got a deep appreciation for comics and art like that. You know, the thing that's changed in the last 10 to 20 years is a lot of these kind of mainstream pop culture superhero comics, by mostly by the big two, but then also some pretty cool image stuff yeah. is now like actual pop culture. Like, yeah. People know who the Avengers are. They know who Moon Knight is, which kind of freaks me out. How how have you been tracking with all of the surrounding pop culture and like film and TV? I definitely like more of the indie stuff. Like when Invincible came out on Amazon Prime, Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool because I remember you actually gave me Invincible Volume 1 back Mm -hmm. in like 2015. And you like recommended that and Saga and all these other great books that like through the years have just been like pouring through and being like, oh, there's so much more out there other than just like, you know, people in spandex that beat the shit out of each other (laughs) pretty much the plot of invincible though (laughs) yeah no that one's good but that one aside it's okay cool so that's been fun and then like things like the witcher which definitely when you're a fan of this kind of medium you also have to have some leeway for the the different adaptations of it so like when i watch a marvel movie i don't expect it to follow everything i read in the book or they just made that cowboy bebop netflix show and people Mm -hmm. are kind of bagging on it and like you know what it's fine you know as long as they didn't butcher it it's it's just fun to see stuff yeah i mean i i think it is fun to see stuff but i almost feel like there's too much now and i'm almost like i i never read cowboy bebop or watched it i should say i think it was an anime yeah but i'm like did you need to make a live action one like Absolutely i not. <laughs> and not to bag on invincible but like I, I read it i fell in love with the comic and i i'm at a stage in life where i don't have time to watch as much tv reading is faster but i'm like Maybe it'll bring more people into the franchise. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe that's fine. That's what Marvel's doing with the MCU and Disney. Now more people are going to be like, wow, Moon Knight, mental health, associative. <laughs> Disassociative you know, disorder. Yeah, yeah, dissociative disorder. Yeah. So I guess that's cool. But I find it's funny. Ryan and I actually bag more on like superhero stuff and we find ourselves, you know, occasionally we'll come back to it when something does something subversive or interesting in the genre. But I'm drawn to to bring it back to stories like Graffiti as well. Like it's. Yeah pretty much nonfiction drama you know it is fiction but there's no sci-fi element there's no superpowers there's no radioactive samosas (laughs) (laughs) wait what book did you read (laughs) so let's just jump right in man had you ever read something like this what did you think of gravity's wall like just first impressions i think the main thing is these are the kind of books that i'm leaning more towards like it's nice that there, you're right. There is an oversaturation right now with all this other like superhero stuff, but I don't feel like my love of comics is diluted by these other people because there's mm-hmm. stuff like this book and like that really get down to the reason why we love comics. It's just the stories. It's about people just dealing with real emotions and in relatable situations. Yeah, like, comics just a medium. It's a story delivery exactly. vehicle. I yeah. think that's what a lot of people still have a lot of prejudice against with comics is that 
they see it, they see the art and they don't really look at like, they don't look at the medium as anything else than like derivative or less than. So mm-hmm. there, there's still plenty of room for people to, to explore this medium in. And even with all the Batman and Spider-Man stuff coming out, people still have just scratched the surface. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so outside of the superhero genre, outside of even fantasy, like the Witcher and Game of Thrones or sci-fi, like the expanse, what beyond graffiti's wall, like what's been some of the indie stuff that, that you've, enjoyed in the, in the last several years as you've grown up even more into the medium yeah i really dug uh, like queen's country oh man yeah that one i think again that's another one that it's all just per your recommendations but no i ended up picking up like all uh, like four volumes of those and just the way that it dealt with like with her ptsd and like mm-hmm. just the like all that raw emotion it was a spy thriller that has like one to two pages of action for this like thick book and yet you're still at the edge of your seat. So just seeing how she dealt with all the trauma and all those decisions she's made. And like, you just don't get books like that. You don't get to mm-hmm. see people. You don't like, and it was nice to see someone like dealing with the consequences and what it's like to process all that. And, you know, I remember when I read it, I was going through some stuff or even when I, like, even when I read superhero stuff, the stuff I gravitate to more is when I have real human feelings that I can like, kind of yeah. parallel and see be like oh yeah i was going through this and so well, yeah. it's it's funny because like we, we can bring it back to that impulse comic that you totally mm-hmm. tore up <laughs> but it was mark wade the thing that brought me back to comics like i had quit for a few years was yeah. these very human stories being told in the superhero genre and then very quickly you started to see these superhero writers telling human stories migrating out and doing independent works other genres beyond superhero, right? Yeah. Ed Brubaker is a great example. Crime author, did a lot of Captain America. And then, I mean, if you haven't read the Criminal series, which we'll bring on this podcast at some point. It, and so what I've now found, which is really interesting. So I started with superheroes and followed superhero writers out of the genre. Mm-hmm. And now what you're seeing is, rightfully so, the, the big players, Marvel, DC, Image, are bringing in these indie writers because maybe the barriers to entry in indie comics is so much lower and bringing them in and letting them do a take on Batman or Spider-Man or the Eternals or something. And if anything, like I'd heard of Rombi because mm-hmm. he is a published Marvel DC author. And I was like, oh, he's done a bunch of indie stuff. And that's what I want to pay attention to. So it's just really interesting how the industry is kind of allowing this revolving door to kind of let people tell the superhero stories and go make your paycheck. Kind of like Mark Ruffalo talks about every Avengers movie he makes, he makes so he can pay for all the indie movies that he wants to do for no money. Yeah. So let's speaking of people with no money, Rafferty's <laughs> law. Yeah. This was really interesting for me. Like I kind of bounced around with a lot of emotions right now because like we, like you said, it's for kids, but it really wasn't the Indian experience that like any of us have been uh, told or taught. I know like with my this parents. This is not our parents' India. Yeah. No, like, with, yeah, with both of ours, like, you know, it's the same story of us. Like our parents came from like really impoverished backgrounds, had to work really hard, had a lot of disadvantages against them and made it to America and were able to like pull themselves up by the bootstraps, whatever you want to say it, but like. The American dream, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, more or less. And so, but growing up, every time I heard these stories, it wasn't like, oh, well, I followed my dreams to be a scientist. It was like, oh, I knew that getting this position and getting this gold medal and earning this scholarship was the only way to get out of poverty. And I didn't have pants until I was in 10th grade and my family you know, couldn't afford bread. And that's not meant to be a joke. Those are all real serious things mm-hmm. that yeah, like, yeah. Um, 
But like those things always sat with me so hard to to a point where it's like, as a kid hearing that, you think like, okay, well, this is just what everyone's doing. So to get this glimpse into like India, this place that I look like I'm from, but I really don't have enough ties to, I was kind of thrown off of like, oh, there's more to India than just struggling, or there's more to poverty in India than just like, you know, beggars on the street. Yeah. 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 Have you a quick question? Because I actually don't know this about you. Like, have you been to India? Yeah, I went in my uh, teenage years. It was tough because it was a lot of seeing a bunch of different areas. Mm -hmm. And they were all like, it wasn't like when I talk to other Indian people, when they say they went to India, they talk about how fun it is. And for me, it really wasn't that thing. It was, it was like, hey, this is our family home. This this is the village I'm from. This is how like, we don't have running water here. This is Mm -hmm, how, mm -hmm, and like, and so it was, it was for like a 13 year old kid. That's a lot to take in of here's this immense poverty. Plus you don't speak the language. And this is what we grew up in. This is what you're from. This is where you're from though. Yeah. 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 And so it was a lot to process. And as much as I say, that was the main time I went to India. Like I really haven't forgotten any of that. And I kept a journal and I was reading through it. And I still remember like each day that I wrote in that journal where I was and, you know, stuff like that. So it's one of those really formative experiences. Yeah. It's, I feel like there's like two or three Indias uh, and there's many, many more, but the ones folks like us who are the the kids of immigrants experience, there's the India that our parents told us about. Right. I think your dad grew up in the village as did your mom. Mm -hmm. My dad was like a city boy. And my mom actually never grew up in India, right? She was an Indian who grew up in Africa and refugeed out to the UK. Yeah. But there's that India, the India they talk about, right? Yeah. But then there's the India that was happening after they left, right? Mm-hmm. The India of the 70s, 80s, and 90s after our folks left. Mm-hmm. And then, and this applies to China as well, there's the China and India of the 2000s. Like in the last 20 years, these two countries have seen more change than America has in the last hundred years and like this rapid industrialization that leaves a lot of things behind mm-hmm. and on top of that like and mumbai is a city i don't know i've, I've been to india three times my family's from delhi i backpacked around the south but mumbai is just a city i never spent any time in but most of the indians indians mm-hmm. that i through work and just various startup stuff have their, their existence is centered in the culture of mumbai which is kind of like the cultural touchstone mm-hmm. and it's featured in you know not just bollywood like luxurious you know crazy rich asian in type india but it's also featured in like slumdog millionaire right yeah. and it's but this india portrayed in this book was so visceral i think that's it yeah. because yeah I, I, you can smell it you can smell the pages of what's going on but it is not familiar i think it was till i was about in chapter three that I finally understood what I was looking at. Cause the whole time I got this feeling of, you know, it's such a frenetic art style. And like you said, Mumbai is its own character here, but I didn't understand that that's what they were showing me up until a good chunk of the book. And then when I got to that point, I almost wanted to start over and just absorb more of it just to get the full impact of what Ron V was trying to tell. But yeah, I think I go back and forth though, because what holds me back a little bit about this book is that, because it's so much of the India that I don't know, I had more trouble relating to it. Do you think you didn't relate to it? There's the, okay, we're we're of Indian heritage. We think we can find something in our heritage. Or is it just as an American reader, you couldn't relate to it? Or was it is it that juxtaposition of you were trying to relate to something because of your heritage? Probably the latter. I don't think okay. the American part had so much to do. Because I think in that case, you can parse out the Indian cultural aspect and still see a story of, you know, you know, 
similar like the Goonies or like the end of it where people are you have these young teens that are on the cusp of adulthood and trying yeah. to understand who they want to be in that regard. It's fine. But like it's relatable. Yeah. When I think maybe it's on my own bias, when I went into it as with the lens of like, let me learn about India and let me learn yeah. about my culture through this. And then seeing something that made no sense to that, not no sense, but to point something that like, I didn't know even existed in India, but that threw me off a little in a good way, but it took me a little bit. Like the book is a very easy read, but at the same time, I feel like, did I really get everything out of it just through the first time? And at the end of it, I feel like maybe not, maybe I should read this again just to be sure. I I had this really weird awakening about India in my twenties and Mm -hmm. it was the India, you know, we knew was our parents, India. Right. Yeah. And I think maybe in college, we both experienced meeting the weird Fabi crush off the boat, kind of Indian, Indian grad student, right? But, you know, they weren't your friends, right? Because they didn't, the they of, didn't let me be their friends, Roman. <laughs> well, but I mean, the, the kind of Indians we hung out with were the ones like us, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, your brother, you, me, our other friend, Barun, his mm-hmm. elder brother. And I, I found in my 20s and 30s, the Indians, I've told you this, a few Indians I associated with were the weirdos like me, right? Yeah. The, the ones who didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. And then in my mid-20s, I got posted to Asia for work where we were a hub office for countries like India, Philippines, Vietnam, Korea, Japan. Mm-hmm. And so naturally, there was a ton of mid-20-something-year-old Indians who went to IIT Mumbai. And, you know, I'd go out drinking with these guys, and they knew more about sports than me. They had points of view on directors and musicians. And, you know, I got into arguments about Fiona Apple, right, with like <laughs> these Indians. And, and they were immersed in Indian culture. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh, this isn't my parents or those weird grad student fob. These are, these are the, this is India. Like this, this youth that's yeah. my age. That's, that's built this cultural cachet I want, I want and, uh, of hanging out with those Indians. Yeah. I feel a little weird in this conversation only yeah. in that there's so much of it of us like kind of identifying as outsiders to a point where I'm like, I feel like I'm just feeling shitty about myself. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's like, Hey, hang on. All, all, all those other like t- too cool for school Indians don't yeah. have a comic book podcast. Okay. That's true. Oh, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're not sitting in their basement, you know, drinking by themselves tonight. Uh, that, that, one of us is sitting in our parents' basement. <laughs> yeah, Roman, what are you doing with your life, man? <laughs> um, give it, give it a couple of decades. They live there, with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're such a good son. Yeah. You are uh, Indian. You are Indian. <laughs> Well, thank you. That's the affirmation I needed for sure. But no, like what I was saying, I think maybe it's just highlighting some of my own insecurities with it. But like, right now, I like I'm at a point in my life where I'm thinking about like, do I want to have kids? If I have kids, how do I want to raise them? And you know, how do I want to incorporate my culture, much less how do I want to teach my culture? And I'm coming at these crossroads where I'm thinking like, I don't, I don't have the answers. And I know I shouldn't have the answers yet. But it's still like an unnerving feeling of I feel like I'm at this new crossroads where I have to learn how to re-identify myself and redefine what's important. And so definitely highlighting the part of not being as Indian as I'm proud of. There's definitely some slang in here where I was like, oh, this will be great. I can like, you know, I'll sometimes use bop with my dad and like and some of the, like some things that are like super chill that I shouldn't use, but, you know, I can get away with it. So I was looking up what some of these words were and I was like, I'll Google it real quick and like you know, for the sake, not that we haven't swore already on this podcast, but there's some pretty bad words in this one. Yeah, the, yeah. I, those are some of the Hindi words uh, that I actually recognize as yeah. curse words. Yeah, I saw Chuthia and I was like, oh, yeah, 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 I know that one. And then, 
And then I was like, what's Ben showed me? And I was like, oh, oh. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, man. It's again, it's so uniquely Indian. But this yeah. is the story of kids. This is the story of teenagers yeah. getting into shit, getting into trouble, finding themselves. The plot isn't a lot of the reviews I read for this after having read it were saying the plot isn't that unique. It's yeah. just that the setting and showing the plot in a new and different way, be it how it's illustrated, how visceral of an experience and how these characters come to life. And there's a line in this book that almost speaks to, you know, these guys are like lower, lower middle class in this book. Mm-hmm. And uh, the main character of Graffiti or Suresh, you know, he takes a sketchbook back to his house and his dad catches it and he's like, oh, you're drawing better than you have been before. And he tosses the kids like hopes would, and dreams out the window. It's like, don't dream so much. It's painful to watch. I was just thinking of that exact scene. It just hit me yeah. so hard that oh, it's like this hopeless energy that the universe, that Mumbai, that India, that life is just like pushing its foot on the neck of these kids. And yet they keep dreaming. And that, and that actually gave me hope. I was like, oh. Okay, if these kids, with all this shit around them, can can try, right? Even though they're trying and failing, but have hopes and dreams. Like, my life is way better than these guys, so I have <laughs> nothing to complain about. <laughs> See, I didn't... For me, I got the opposite. It, did, it, it didn't give me hope immediately that, like, oh, mm-hmm. I can do this because my life isn't nearly as shitty. It was just like, that's the India that I recognize. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's the Indian culture, I remember. <laughs> it's like, you're bad for trying. Go do something productive. I'm That's so horrible. Sorry. Well, it's it's also ironic. So it, there's the book is told in four chapters, and mm-hmm. it's more or less these four friends. The fourth character, the girl, is kind of someone who comes she's into their circle. Yeah. But, but she's the only one, and maybe it's because she's a girl, that has the audacity to be like, yeah, fuck this rat race. I'm mm-hmm. out. I'm out. Like, I'm, I'm going back to the village. I'm going to take what's mine and I'm out. And it's the most mature decision in this entire book. That's a good point. I didn't really think about it when it gets to that point, And when he's waiting outside the movie theater for her, I just, I was like, okay, well, I guess they're just wrapping it up. Like I didn't really think about her so much as doing an exit strategy or just deciding not to play this fucked up game. Like, I just thought like, you know what? People are fed up and they're just going to do what they're going to do. But your take on her being mature about it is actually a nice one. The only way to win the game is to stop playing it, you know? Yeah. And, and that honest, I mean, that moment might have mm-hmm. been my favorite, but I, so let, let me put the question back on you. Of sure. the four chapters, what was your favorite and why? Oh, hands down, chapter three. I think maybe it's because that's when I, I Ch- got... This is the one about Chasma and the Chinese Chasma. restaurant? Yeah, yeah. My, mine too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Say more. It was... It was... I don't know what it was. It was stuff that I've liked, like in, sorry to, t- to take it back to like superhero stuff, but I really love the dual storytelling with the art in the foreground or just, just things, things in the foreground. And then the, the text box is telling the two narration, the narration. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I saw that in Arkham Asylum and I thought like, Oh, this is interesting that you can get two different stories by depending on how you approach this book. And so when I saw that, I would like I felt like I was studying the pages a lot more. And then I, my thing, at least what's helped me get through most of my adulthood is like I've become just brutally honest with myself. And I feel like anything else is a waste of time. I hate pleasantries. I hate you know people that hide behind emotions and you know say they're fine when they're actually miserable. I prefer the people that just tell me that they're miserable because I think that 
level of introspection actually more like is respectable. Mm -hmm. So with this one, this, the raw honesty that he had where he's like, no, people say this, people do this, like people beat me up and make fun of me, but I don't let it get to me. I just keep pushing on. I was like, Oh, this is his real thoughts. He's really pouring his heart and soul onto this page. And I think I respected that about the character so much that I was, I felt maybe because I could relate to that more, but I felt like that raw, raw energy, that raw connection really paralleled like the energy of the artwork too, of, and how it like, how it was showing you the rawness of, of Mumbai. Mm -hmm. We finally had a chapter and a character that was able to match that. And so that's what made me like really grip onto that more. The other chapters that felt like this imbalance of like, well, what do I care more about more the art or this or the characters? Mm -hmm. And this one, I felt like this is the chapter that if I were to just take one, this is what I want to show people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's like the first chapter is setting up the universe, yeah. right? Yeah. The second one is let's go live in this universe and have some so, excitement, right? Yeah. The crime, the rap, hopes and dreams. I mean, honestly, the thing I liked about the third one was the the poetic optimism that this oh, yeah. guy has, like the audacity of I'm literally going to write messages in a bottle that I don't mm -hmm. care if anyone reads because I just have to write them. I, I mean, yeah. honestly, it's kind of what I do with these podcasts, right? Like yeah. you're just kind of putting it out there mm -hmm. and putting yourself out there. And what's different is he's not even saving them for himself, right? Yeah. Like at minimum at the end, I'll have a journal of a thousand conversations that I had that I produced on podcasts for two years, but this guy's just writing it and putting out there so he can just like get the stuff out of his system. And there's so much respect for the for the skill that he yeah. that he brings to it. I think it's almost like a therapy for him too, that like this is how he deals with all the like you know, with, with Sarah, she's you know, she stops playing the game, she steals the money and she moves on. But like for him, this is his version of stealing the money. This is him getting these things out of his system, processing his feelings and becoming a stronger person. The part that really got me was towards the end of it where he starts ripping up his journal and like mm -hmm. the one splash page it's a full black page of just like scraps of paper up in the mm -hmm. air mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and my heart kind of sank on that page i saw it happening like leading up to it and like that one spread despite all the amazing art that's what got me more because that felt like him giving up and it was like i was expecting it to be to leave it at that and just have this broken guy that was crushed by the world and pleasantly surprised in the next few pages when Sarah came, Sarah came around and, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you know, he got his happy ending, you know, did it detract from the story a little? I, I can't say at this point, but like, I think just that culmination, that rawness up until that point and the, the culmination in him almost giving up only to be saved at the last moment, like that, that was probably the most human thing I felt. Well, and you I, say yeah. you say that he I agree. I mean, any any time a work of art, be it a film, a TV mm -hmm. show or a movie can make you feel it's mm -hmm. they're just pictures on a page. And that says something about what it does. But he doesn't get a happy ending, to be clear. And he gets a potential line on a happy ending. And but it doesn't necessarily work out. If, if anything, I kind of wish they just kind of left it at the end of chapter four when the, the gunshot has been fired mm -hmm. and I think it's Chasma and uh, Suresh or graffiti kind of staring at each other. Mm -hmm. I don't want more. After, like I, I, I want to ask, but did, how did you feel about there being an epilogue fast forward to 10 years later? Like <laughs> I, I felt I like a cop it. out. Yeah, I really? I didn't mind it as much because I thought it was kind of dumb at the end when he shoots. And then uh, how much do we, do we spoil this? one? That's fine. It's okay. Fine. 
So no one but, listens to this yeah. podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Auntie Pinky. Um, when he shoots and then it's like, oh, here's the blood spray. Yeah, if it ended right on that page, cool. And even then you could have jumped into the epilogue and been like, yeah, he shot the paint can. I think that last page definitely kind of is a little more disappointing when it's like, oh, it was just paint. Because in my head, I was like, okay, well, why wouldn't he just get up and shoot them again? Like this is... Yeah, no one's, yeah, 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 yeah. So that part, I was like, that's kind of dumb. Well, actually, uh, so I, I take that back. So the epilogue, after that scene, the epilogue is fast forward five to ten years later. And that I didn't need. I didn't need yeah. to see, like, everyone's okay. Mm-hmm. But I actually really love the final, final page, which is like the the gentrification. Yeah. Of they tear down the wall. And, then, and it's just like some hipster's art in their yeah. hotel. Yeah. <laughs> that was I, a dark ending. And I like that, that. That was fun for me, too. I, I didn't know how to feel like if that was a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not I'm definitely not supporting gentrification by any means, but like. I didn't know if that was more respectful of like, or if it was meant to just be like, oh, this that is some com- cool shit. That was straight yeah. up. That was straight up commentary, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's just yeah. like this thing that I mean that wall encapsulates the hopes and dreams and the lives of these kids, yeah. and some hipster is just gonna take it for himself and put it on his wall and be cool. So here's what I saw of was like finally acceptance into the city. Like he spends his whole time saying like, Oh, these are places where I don't belong and I want to leave my mark so that people have to acknowledge it. It's the whole, I don't know if you watched Naruto, but like in the very beginning, like he's tagging all this stuff, not because he, you know, is good. He just wants to be noticed by people. And so when they took it into the hotel or when they didn't destroy it, like, yeah, it sucks. It's some stupid hipster that just steals all this shit. But well, um, well no, hang on, hang on. At first, yeah. it seems like the first two panels, and I'm going to read it. He's like, yeah. "This is part of the local flavor of the place, don't you see? We are not here to change the face of the city. No, we are here to make it beautiful. You understand? Make it beautiful." Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Oh, wow! Exactly what you were just saying." Yeah. And then the last panel is. I think it'll make a great addition to the lobby, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a, let's put it in a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I think you kind of got me on that one. <laughs> it's no real defending it. It, 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 was a beautiful, it was a beautiful idea and a beautiful sentiment, and then they mm-hmm. just fucking twist. And I love it. Like, I again, that visceral, oh, yeah, life does suck, twist the knife, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I think... I can't like unsee it now, but like, and when I saw it, I was like, you know what, this was going to happen. And at least there's some bit of him that's like preserved that like got accepted as, you know, this is part of Mumbai, even if it's locked in some stupid hotel lobby. Mm. It would, in my head, I was like, hmm, at least it's better than like being in a hotel room. Like more people can see it, but like, mm. <laughs> it's, you're right. It's stupid. Like you can, that's not, that's not really accepting him. But I think deep down, I just wanted it to be like, Oh, he moved on, but at the end of the day, his work was finally accepted into some like somebody else that like is in this city acknowledged him that That's or acknowledged right. that he exists. Well, and he wasn't doing it to exist for people to know of him. He was doing it to express himself, and so yeah, I meant that 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 way of existing in that like this was him being saying like I'm here, not so say like acknowledge me and know my name, but more of like. This is just same way that Chasma writes his letters. I think this was Graffiti's way of of processing what he was going through and just therapy for himself. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny going into this, you know, Ryan actually recommended this a while back when I was like, why don't you pick the book for Diwali? Mm-hmm. Pick an Indian thing, just the same way I'm gonna pick a Chinese book for Chinese New Year's. Mm-hmm. And um 
having read a lot of young adult stuff over the last few years, I I was expecting something more along those lines. Mm-hmm. And there is some disaffected youth stuff going on, but it's there wasn't a narrative, right? It was just four snapshots on life. And mm-hmm. I actually think I appreciated that more. It's these are quick hits. It's a quick read. It's do you want to know what India is really about? Do you want to know what the youth of the world is really about? Here's mm-hmm. four quick snapshots, not necessarily mm-hmm. some long meandering plot. Even there is kind of a loose thread that ties it through. I think I appreciated the hyper frenzied kind of nature of the detail of the art, but at the same time, the short and sweet nature of it. Like it, it leaves you wanting more, but you actually don't want more, you know? Yeah. I remember finishing the book and then wondering like, I don't know who I would recommend this to. And I want to pitch that back to you, Roman. Like, who do you think you would show this book to? And what do you, what are you trying to show them when you share it? You know, the, the, it's kind of a twist on the question we ask. Usually we're like, would you recommend this book to someone? Mm-hmm. And the answer is like, well, it depends, right? Like mm-hmm. if you are someone, <laughs> I think this book is actually adequate to anyone, not even people who do or don't read comics. This isn't the book you read after the MCU, but this is, do you want to read a book that tells you something about a culture that happens to be a comic book? And to be clear, it's not the expected culture of India. And I, I hate to, I've referenced it subtly before, Slumdog Millionaire, that opening scene, and Danny Boyle is kind of a little bit of, you know, poverty porn. Mm-hmm. But like, that's what this book does. Let's create a visceral reaction mm-hmm. based in a familiar trope, you know, the story of disaffected youth and their journey, right? Mm-hmm. But the this tens, book is unique. Tens. It's familiar enough and foreign enough at the same time. So yeah. it's like, if you want to read a book about India, mm-hmm. And again, this is not the India I know, to be very, very clear. But it's the India I know exists just beneath the surface. This is not the Taj Mahal. This is not the Ramayan. This is a bunch of teenagers this is real, trying to make it. Yeah. These are real Indian people. Like That's the thing I was trying to think about. Like Maybe I went into this hoping to learn more about myself or and then having that backfire a little bit because I didn't see myself in the book or I didn't yeah, recognize yeah, the yeah, stuff. Yeah. But I was wondering, like, I still don't know how to answer the question. Like, do I think it's a good book? Yes. And I am looking forward to like picking it back up and and studying it a little more, but I don't know because even though it's uniquely Indian, because it's an India, I don't really know. I don't feel like it's my place to, to share that or say, Oh, Hey, learn about India from this book. In the same way, like, well, it's, it's learn about an India, learn about an India. India. That's a good point. In the same way I was thinking like, Oh, well maybe I'll, share with my parents or something like for fun. And then after Googling a few words, I was like, yeah, probably not. So, and do this I, is, I mean, you're, you're old enough now where this is not the kind of book where your parents are like, you're reading what? Yeah. <laughs> and then I think about, do I share it with my nephew? Like, you know, he's a quarter Indian, like he doesn't have much roots, but like, is this, do I want him to know this? And I don't know. I, I don't think it's about, Hey, you have a connection to India yeah read this book it's hey do you want to know something about india that you probably aren't going to see somewhere else mm-hmm. if, if i think if you're culturally curious i i'd recommend this book the same way i might recommend this is the power of having diverse voices with that come from diverse places telling stories like mm-hmm. only ron v could have told this story you know yeah. mark wade couldn't tell this story mm-hmm. matt fraction couldn't tell this story grant mm-hmm. morrison couldn't tell this story mm-hmm. and fun fact grant morrison has written a book about india and i'm oh, still not God sure how i feel it. about it <laughs> i'm not i'm not sure how i feel about it like i i kind of skimmed it so far but yeah. um 
And this is why I want to read science fiction by Chinese authors. This is why I want to read Bolivian writers' stories. Like, yeah. this is, it's a story that only someone from there can tell you mm-hmm. that is going to kind of subvert your expectations. Because, yeah. yeah, I think to your point, if I went into this thinking I was going to have, like, a youth of India revelation that might unveil something about my parents or my friends from India. And I didn't get that. I, I just got a, a unique experience that was somewhat relatable that clearly is happening in India. I wonder if this will be more accepted by like the next generation when things, because we, you know, we still grew up with first as first generation, like immigrant kids. And so when these things and when our parents' culture kind of phases out a little bit more and things adapt more, I wonder if this will be more of the norm and this will kind of fit in that role of like, let's just learn about India. And this is more of what India looks like on the surface. What, I, what I'd recommend, something I've been doing a lot of, independent of this book, as I work on a project related to India, is I've been researching and reading, and there's lists out there, of comics by Indian creators, not Indian American creators like Ram B. I don't know if he's Indian American, Indian British, or whatever. But I think I read that he was, he grew up, they all grew up in there, so. Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah. creators who are still living in India, mm-hmm. who are Indian, who are making the comic scene in India, what are they writing about? And yeah. it's not Amrachitra Katha and the religious stuff, although there is some really interesting religious stuff that's come out in recent years, but it's what are the crime dramas? It's not even the superhero genre in India. Yeah. Uh, what are the nonfiction dramas that talk about partition and the state of emergency? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a scene that's creating a lot of stuff. And believe it or not, this book has that kind of, frenzied chaotic nature that is true india not bollywood india mm-hmm. it's reflected in those comics and I, I guess so let me put it back on you like yeah would you not necessarily who would you recommend this to but would you recommend this to someone hmm. you know i don't see a reason not to recommend it i mean i'm still figuring out who i would recommend it to i do think it's worth reading and i think if you're curious about india if you're curious about just people from a different country that ultimately are going through the same things that everyone else is going through like coming of age stories. It's a good read. And especially if uh, for the artwork alone, just with how vivid and unique it is, even the detail on people's shirts is so much thought put into it. I would say definitely check the book out. But I think the thing that's holding me back is when I think of the pivotal comics, not just what was the best thing or what was the coolest splash page I saw. I go back to like what we said at the beginning of the episode that the things that really connect with me are the ones that really got me at like an emotional level. Like I remember like a Chrisio's run of Red Robin, mm-hmm. but I remember just the frustration that Tim Drake had of like not fitting in, being cast out as Robin, like, and like having to go and find his own path and like deal with some depression and this whole journey of self-identity. That was like, you know, superhero tights and capes aside like those were the things i was feeling when i read that and so it was mm-hmm. nice to have almost a roadmap with this like i don't see the roadmap as much as i see like hey this is here this exists and you should just know about it and i think that's what's throwing me off about it yeah i mean i think the thing about any fiction or non-fiction but any good story is it hits us all at different points in our life and mm-hmm. be it a comic book about the third and best Robin or kids. And it just depends where you're at in your life when you read it. And what it's almost like what you bring to the comic is, is going to be just as important as what the comic brings to you. Absolutely. It's kind of like that match. So 
yeah, hey, so if you're going through some shit, you should read this book, maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> or maybe you read this book and you realize you need to go through some shit. <laughs> Damn it, Ryan. <laughs> what are you making us feel? Oh, he ditched us on purpose because he's too much of a coward. Exactly. No. Well, Amitosh, it has been fun having a, a psychological therapy session with you. My bill is in the mail. Oh, <laughs> Don't worry, I won't have the money to pay it. <laughs> hey, this was super fun. I really appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. We hope you'll come back for some hopefully slightly happier, less body horror stuff. Oh my god. Count me out for any Genji Ito stuff. Damn straight. That's what I say every week. Worst nonsense ever. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. qtdcomics at gmail.com. Give you a social media handle, but we're old, and that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel. And I am and have always been Ryan Joe. We don't need no voice control Ducks are in the classroom Cheats and leave the kids alone Hey! Chichurus! Leave the kids alone All you know is this stuff I know they break in the wall All you know is this stuff I know they break it Alô, Akibel, Bahia, já tô speak, hein? Ó que se eu foi uma aulinha, hein? Se eu conseguir, imagine você, hein? Teacher, thank you. I love you, Akibel.